I've spent quite a lot of time in looking at so many different healing modalities and working particularly in trauma therapy. And well, I noticed a theme over the years where people are talking about a traumatic event and it's actually not therapeutic for them. Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world, sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drspen.com for the full quantum experience. Greetings and welcome, everybody. Today, I have the privilege and the pleasure to interview Tristan Bray, a good friend of mine, fellow healer, medicine man. He understands the ways of how the mind, the body, and the spirit works. He understands quantum science. He's very equipped with a lot of different modalities, very skilled, has a lot of training in this work. And today, we're going to be talking about his method called attunement therapy. And what I'm really excited about, having known Tristan now personally for many years, is the way he has researched and put this modality together. The clinical applications, the research, and having delivered it multiple times for people, including for many of my loved ones, we've seen some absolutely groundbreaking results. So this is exciting to be able to have this conversation. This conversation, this interview is very important for you if you feel there is a need or you would benefit from more love and connection in your life. It specifically talks to one of the core elements, call it a trauma or an imprint of a lack of love from the earliest stages of childhood. That has to do with the mother or the father not holding the child. We know the first thing the child needs when the child is, is born is to be held by its mother. So that's what we're going to talk about. Pay uh, close attention Feel free to take notes. Please share this interview with as many people as you can because this is going to talk to a lot of the fundamental human needs uh, that we have to receive and have in order to live incredible lives. So special welcome, Tristan. How are you, bro? Yeah, man. Amazing. Oh, me. Awesome. Yeah. We're, we're hanging out. We're talking all things, you know, like I said, quantum science and technology and we're geeking out. <laughs> and, and we're talking last night yeah. about attunement therapy. And I'm just sitting there going, we need to get this recorded. We need to get this to the people. So excited to invite you guys into the conversation that we are having when we kind of do a mastermind kind of stuff. So I want to start by asking, uh, what is attunement therapy? What is attunement therapy? Well, basically, it's a it's a touch-based healing system. Mm -hmm. I've spent quite a lot of time in looking at so many different healing modalities and working particularly in trauma therapy. And... Well, I noticed a theme over the years where people are talking about a traumatic event and it's actually not therapeutic for them. Mm -hmm. And most therapists they go to, they're talking about it or regression therapy, they're going back into the trauma. I had a client once, she was assaulted in a hotel and then had a court case, mm -hmm. taking the guy to court. Mm -hmm. And the court case went on and on and on. And she's also getting cross-examined and oh. having to, she said it was almost like repeating the trauma every, every week. And I've realized more and more that people are asking for something, but they don't know what it is. And that's actually touch and being held. And furthermore, I kind of went into the medical system and looked at, there's actually a gap 
mm-hmm. there's a hole in our medical system and it's touch, you know? And so that makes sense, right? It's the first thing that the child needs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, there's, there's been more and more research happening and there's a lot of the research is for children, but what I've done is I've, I've applied these principles to adults. So an example could be a baby born premature, they put in an incubator mm-hmm. and they've just split, they started doing these trials, they split them into two groups mm-hmm. and ones that are babies that are touched for, you know, even just like five minutes, three times a day, they, their chance of surviving is way higher. And some the babies that aren't touched, a lot of them, a lot of them don't make it. Mm. And so there's these sort of things like that. They go, wow, touch, and that's where they can measure it. But science, scientists, are, you know, don't like things they can't measure. So it's hard to quantify touch, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so what I've actually done is is created a healing modality based on child brain development neuroscience. So this this need to be touched and to be held, mm-hmm. but we apply it to adults. Mm-hmm. So people go to a therapist, tumor therapist, and Basically, they get held for about 90 minutes. That will probably yeah. excite some of you and scare some of you yeah. to be able to to be held for 90 minutes. I'm just thinking about the fundamental need. You know, when the child is born, they don't know that they're out of the belly yet. They they still haven't... Re- they just all of the second nine months of gestation. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the brain's still developing high speed. And so a lot of other animals, basically, they stay in, you know, they stay inside longer so that everything can develop. That's why, like humans, are helpless from that born, mm. you know. So they're basically still in this, yeah, womb-like state for nine months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, when we don't get held when we're children, obviously the nervous system would feel a void or a wound or a trauma or a, just a need to be held. Is that the concept? Basically, if a baby's not, babies want to be held and touched all the time, mm-hmm. so they can feel safe and secure. Because it, with human evolution and mammalian nature, if a baby is very, very vulnerable to 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 death. Of course, if they're not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you have a baby that's kind of waking up, for example, and they they're starting to wake up in bed, and they're like, "Okay, no one's here. I'm in danger. There's no one here." Mm-hmm. You can put a finger on them, and they fall back to sleep. There's actually a transfer of if. It's the smallest bit of touch. They're like, cool, someone's here. Someone's keeping an eye on me. And so it's it's really it's really far out. <laughs> I don't want you disappearing out the camera. Yeah. So all of these principles with child brain development neuroscience, how you treat babies, mm-hmm. we just apply them to adults. And that's how the sessions work. Mm-hmm. But like what you're saying about fear, you know, that must freak some people out. Why are we afraid of touch? Mm, good question. And that's 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 when things get really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people think or I don't want to be held because oh, I actually don't deserve it. So there's a thing there. They don't want to be rejected, mm. you know, or there's a fear that it's dangerous. So a lot of people have um, a trauma caused by other people. Mm. Okay, cool. Being close to a person is, is dangerous. I don't want to put myself in that situation. And last night you mentioned that also the trauma, particularly for women, can be that of when I'm held by a man, that equals a sexual thing. He wants something. Yeah, that's that's the the the, the fear behind it, or or the concern behind. So it. that's that's another element. You know? Yeah. And so we actually, you know, we work with um, some basic cues when we when we're moving into touch with the clients. Like this is just for you. It's a mm-hmm. simple it's a simple thing to say, and you you look at them like this is just for you. Mm-hmm. And some people actually burst into tears when you say that because they've never been held in a way where they've really started to feel that someone's not trying to get something out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's amazing to move past the mind generated stress around touch and actually sink into the safety of it. Hmm. And so for a, a baby that's being held that goes to sleep, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing with it. Oh, only so it is totally, the best thing in the world. Whereas a baby that's cried themselves to sleep, 
by themselves. Mm-hmm. They 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 go to sleep, but they're actually in a shocked, numbed out state. They're not asleep in a healthy way. Mm. Their their nervous system is actually redlined until they've knocked themselves out by just tuning out. And this is most this is what's really warped about our culture. This is most adults. Mm-hmm. So if you were That's the first thing that popped into my mind when he said it. Yeah. I, I just when you said it about kids, I'd like that that's adults. Yeah. They numb themselves and go to sleep. Yeah, suddenly. If you look at the development of something like ADD or ADHD, it's this tuning out habit. And so the controlled crying is where you teach a baby to cry themselves to sleep. This is one of the main contributing factors I feel to ADD as a teenager and as an adult, where you habitually tune out. Mm-hmm. And so when a baby's put by themselves in a cot, let's say, they feel like they're in danger. Mm-hmm. And so a baby that's crying themselves to sleep thinks they're going to die. And this happens every night. And the, the stress is so extreme that you just tune out. Yeah. And so this... This association, basically. But this... Yep. And this is happening as the brain's developing. Oh. So then a baby oh, that's in that situation too. I mean, this is really heavy information. So the, the attunement therapy training is... it's A lot of what I'm saying is actually kind of fundamentally quite basic or even a common sense when you look at it medically and developmentally as well. And so as the brain's developing for 18 years... What happens by the time we become an adult when we are in a crisis, like the baby that's the baby's crying himself to sleep and they're in a crisis, no one and no one comes. You now you're thirty and you're having a crisis. You don't ask for help because no one ever came earlier. As mm. well. And so a lot of adults actually their solution to crisis is resignation. Like, yeah, and so it's it's quite complex in that sense, and that's just one element of how. Attunement therapy delivers the opposite to what people expect. The practitioner doesn't hurt them. The practitioner is not trying to get anything out of them. The practitioner doesn't reject them. So a lot of people think, oh, my emotions are too intense. My anger, my guilt, my shame, my sadness. It's, I don't deserve to be held this way. So people have self-loathing, this sort of thing. And again, so for people who don't get get the sort of touch and everything like that that they need and closeness and emotional closeness as well, they, if they don't get that when they're growing up, they think that they're not worthy. Mm-hmm. So let's say- Just have standard yeah. wounds. We see this all the time in our events. Yeah. You know, the I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, therefore I won't be loved. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to go back and actually sit with the fundamentals. So we talk about the imprint period, right? You actually go back and sit with those cool wounds. Yeah. So, so obviously it's a modality. You've developed this modality. You've child and tested it for years. You've run many circles and sessions with this. I've heard the, the personal- subjective feedback from the case studies and the people that I know. The way you do it, do you first, you run a thing, you teach it, because I understand there's two different modalities or two different parts of it. One is for the person that's to receive, to understand, yep. and then to receive. Yep. And then there's another side is a potential training or facilitator. Yep. So just the first part of it, uh, for someone interested in, hang on, this may be for me, maybe I actually feel like I need to be held, that I could heal from that. And I'm excited to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe what happens when people come in through an experience when they first learn and then they actually are held and get to perhaps be uh, holding someone? Yeah. Well, the, the the healing modality itself is super basic, but what can happen in the session is 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 super. There's such a broad spectrum. So if we, when you book in with a tumor therapist and you 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 kind of set an intention, you plan it a week or two out. Mm-hmm. And they send you documentation so you really clearly understand what the session is and what it's not. 
So that removes demystification. So that you don't rock up mm. going, what is this? And that can be a source of stress. Mm-hmm. And so you, you you tune in with each other for about half an hour before a session, tune in with an, an intention. The therapist and the client. Yeah. Yep. It's a non-invasive therapy. So the therapist not it doesn't actually have to find anything out about you. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're trying to find out about your life. So it's you can speak about where you're at, but you don't have to because that's not actually how the therapy functions. Mm-hmm. And so we use like um, like a mattress or something like that, indoor space, lower light, something really comfortable. And we actually start off holding hands and eye gazing. And what this does is it starts this sort of field of connection between two people through the mirror, neurons, and eyes, sharing of emotion. Holding hands begins the touch. The same way with picking up babies, the, the client who sees the practitioner initiates the touch. So they get to start it when Excellent. they're ready. Mm-hmm. Then you stay in contact until they're ready to break it about 90 minutes later. So you don't break contact. So if someone, so if you put down a baby who's not ready, it's going to upset them. It's a shock to the system. We work on the same level. So the the client is in control of the progress of the session, which Wonderful. really puts them kind of behind the steering wheel with what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. After about 10 minutes, we lie down, get comfortable. It's like um getting getting really relaxed, but the the client's ear is around here, kind of the top of the peck where they can hear the heartbeat. And we get really comfortable and so that they, their bodies feels completely supported, use cushions and things like that. And then we just work with these cues around safety, not needing anything from them, and also to remove any expectation. Because mm-hmm. if you have got this really strong intention to work on an issue, say you've got anger from you towards your dad, and you're like, I really want to work on that, we actually let that go too. In the same way that kind of epigenetic meditation works, is like you got the thing you want and then you surrender, mm-hmm. and it will happen if it needs to happen. Someone who's got chronic stress might actually just completely relax. Whereas someone who actually needs to work on an issue that might happen. Mm. Or here's a really interesting example is someone who's got anger that they're not expressing. They might actually be lying there feeling angry, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And so this is what we call external regulation where there's emotion trapped in the autonomic nervous system and it can't actually get out until someone's actually protecting us. So mm. there's heavy emotions as well, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety. When someone's holding and protecting the body, they can actually go deeper into an internal hyperspace because they can feel that you are protecting them back in this physical dimension. Mm-hmm. This also means they can move through time and space, what I call automatic somatics. So soma, somatics, the body, it's going to go where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. If someone needs to relax, they're going to relax. If someone needs to work on emotions, they're going to work on emotions. But mm-hmm. there's a whole holotropic element. So holotropic, returning to wholeness. It could be an undealt with issue in the body, and it could have happened when you were 10 years old. It could be a traumatic event. Automatic somatics, the body will go there. That's something you're ready to look at at this point in your life. Mm-hmm. But the way somatics works as well is that your body is aware of your total holding environment. What's happening in your workplace? What's happening at home? What's happening with your close friends and family? Are there people around you who can support this kind of healing process as it integrates post-session? So it's about your total holding environment. And so people will go into these different experiences. You could have two sessions and someone will have just just be very, very, very still and just relaxing for the first session. The next session, they might actually have a lot of emotion come up. Mm-hmm. So this process activates something we call the catharsis cycle. Mm-hmm. This is a... Yeah. We spoke about this yesterday. This yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. And just to, to clarify before we get into that, there are kind of sessions, one-on-one kind of sessions, and there are also group sessions. Is that correct? Okay. So... 
And that was kind of describing a session. Yeah. The nutriment therapy training is a four-day process where people come to. Four days. Four days. And, and first you learn the theory, the concepts, the science. Yep. That's the first two days. Second two days we're doing sessions and swapping around. So yeah. everyone gets to hold and be held. And then we share everything that happens in those sessions as well. And that's really powerful to hear about what's happening to different people as yeah. well as what's happening to people who are holding. Because mm-hmm. that can be really powerful experience too. It's a real, it's when you hold someone through the process and through their stuff, it, it's actually, you feel really honored. Yeah. It, it feels, what we're dealing with here is what we call a healing virtue. So chamomile has the healing virtue of calming you down. You don't actually do anything as the practitioner. You are just this empty being of just, just love. Mm. And you just, you're not trying to do anything to your client. Similar way that kinesiology works, you're not trying to change the client. Mm. You're allowing a change to take place. Mm. They are listening to your heartbeat and your heart's beating anyway, right? Yeah. It's like you don't, you're not trying to beat your heart. And that's actually running the session. Mm-hmm. And then you're finishing the session and they've had this profound experience. And you're like, well, I, did, I didn't actually do anything. And so that's, that's an amazing breakthrough with how little effort it can take to hold a, a, a powerful space for someone mm. healing. And you're not trying because you're removing the ego because like, Sometimes in our culture at the moment, we're, we're, there's a lot of trauma awareness and a lot of um, you know catharsis and some modalities, and it's like, oh, if there isn't catharsis, then it wasn't successful. And so, as the as the practitioner too, it's just like dropping out of any expectation because they can be still the whole time, and yep. then you hear that they were like processing all this emotion and mm-hmm. these different events, and it's, it's like still like that. Yeah. And this is part of the catharsis phase that you're talking about, where. And I see this a lot of the times in the work that we do as yeah. well, where people, uh, when they come to an event or have an experience, there will normally be a period of time there throughout the, you know, like you mentioned, in 90 minutes, for example, our sessions are three days, or if we do a one day, there's always this, in the healing, there's always a period of time where there's catharsis where, and it doesn't always happen, but if you have a breakthrough, it could normally can yeah. happen. Yeah. So this is interesting, we talked about this yesterday, mm-hmm. when someone is being held, um, and maybe even happens when someone's holding someone, I'm not yeah. certain, yeah. but if, because the focus is on the person that's receiving, I could imagine that there'll be a period of catharsis or, um, you know, facing your darkness or demons yeah. kind of thing as yeah. part of that. Do you want to speak to that? Because I think yeah. when we talked about that yesterday, that made a lot of sense in regards to, you know, if you're going to go back in time or, you know, heal the wound, yeah. there must be or could be, sometimes often will be, a period of time where the client um, would experience the darkness or the the trauma of not being held, whatever it is, but within for the first time in many people's life, mm. an actual environment where they are held. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. So I've I've held people in their seventies who haven't been held since they were infants, and so you can have seventy years of undealt with emotion. And the body's gonna, the intelligence of the body's gonna bring up the priority, and that could be something sixty years old. Let's say that one more time. The intelligence of the body will bring up the priority, the priority that's appropriate for their total holding environment. Oh, so if it's too dark and mm-hmm. too too heavy, yeah, and they live by themselves, the somatic intelligence of the body won't go into that. It'll bring up the priority that's appropriate mm-hmm. for their total the total holding environment of yeah. their lifestyle. Which basically, when you talk about the somatic intelligence, we're talking about the inner intelligence in the body that knows where to go. You know, it's, it's very interesting. I say if you get a cut, it'll heal itself. You don't need to tell it to heal. It'll heal. It has 
its own yep. somatic innate intelligence. So is that what you're speaking of? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they will go to where they need to go. Again, someone who might have a lot of stuff they want to deal with, but they have a really busy work lifestyle, their body's going to be like, actually, no, it, you don't, that's too much right now. You mm-hmm. just need to rest. And they drop into the heartbeat and become very still. Mm-hmm. And this is really powerful as for someone who's always busy or someone who has chronic stress is stressed while they're asleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're stressed all the time. Yeah. And to get them to come into this holding space and to become very still, it's quite wild because when you're holding someone who drops in like this, they become more still than someone who's asleep. To the point where you're like, are they, are they breathing? Is this, you know, is this cool? And so people actually drop into a really highly relaxed state mm. where the vagus nerve activates. You can hear all kinds of body noise in the viscera where things are, the fluids are able to move properly because the, the oxygenated blood's able to flow back from the arms and legs. And they move into this incredible state of stillness. Mm. But something else happens here which really sets a tumor therapy apart where both the bodies start to feel like they're the same body. Unification. Yeah. 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 There's, so you're just holding someone, but it feels like you are one body. You can't feel the seam between the two bodies. Wow. And it also feels like you're floating, like in a liquid. And it also feels like you're very aware of everything around you. So it's this womby type experience mm-hmm. of a total connection. And so in the womb, neurologically, and while we're being breastfed, we feel like we are our mother. Yeah. Exactly. We are one body. Mm-hmm. And we also, and so some people like talk about this idea of it's actually um, like a very similar to experiencing DMT and breath mm-hmm. work or, you know, smoking DMT or having ayahuasca, where you have this sense of oneness with all things. A lot of people experience oneness in different ways. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it, you mentioned this, this is interesting because when we teach our breath work, we do the same thing, calculated exact same time, exact same breath, exact same cadence, exact same rhythm. And we know that 75% of our students will have a quote unquote, profound out-of-body mystical DMT or psychedelic type experience. Yes. So we know that we can facilitate that through breath. Yep. Um, and it's very rare to see that happen in the world without something external that actually people have, not like a kind of, but a full-on, I'm in the quantum field type experience. Yep. And, and I've studied modalities for 20 years. And it's really rare for me to find a modality that can do this a calculated. Yeah. And so this is really interesting that yeah. you actually can have a profound out-of-body mystical, profound healing experience, not using breath or um, psychedelics, but through touch yeah. and to be held. Yeah. This is a really interesting yeah. uh, thing to discuss. Um, what have you experienced in that? Well, we've actually been able to clock why it doesn't happen when it doesn't happen. Uh-huh. And that's stress hormones. Yeah. So stress hormones keep you really in the body and aware of what's happening around you. And so... The sympathetic nervous system is the you know the, the fight or flight element, and we have a thing called sympathetic cues. So if I you know give you a fright, poke you, triggers triggers even the smell of smoke. Mm. These things like this can and so sometimes for someone being in a, a room that's too big with too much stuff in it, there's too many places in the room where a threat could hide. Mm-hmm. And so this, this, and this is of course in the subconscious mind yep. from earlier programming. I don't know, maybe it goes back past lives. You know, whoever yep. knows, right? And so then the person is not normally aware that that's a anchor f- or a trigger for a wound. Yeah, right. Which is very interesting, and this is why we see a lot of uh, work because people, if you know, which real you feel the the fear or the or the pain or you know the grief or whatever. But people can't always pinpoint where it is. Yeah. But these kind of techniques actually bring it out. Uh, nonetheless, right? Yeah. 
So with with your groups, with say seventy five percent going into that state, I would guess that the other twenty five percent, there's a sympathetic cue. Yeah, that's that's stimulating them and keeping exactly. their body exactly. So we try and eliminate all those sympathetic cues, and that's the, the amazing thing about holding and going into kind of a quiet, still space with that, and they're just with the heartbeat as they drop back into this neurological state of I'm being held by mum or dad. Yeah, and I'm one with them, mm-hmm. and they're taking care of everything I need. I'm. I'm changed i'm fed i'm protected loved yeah yeah, yeah. the protection piece is beautiful yeah yeah and so the feeling of that yeah for someone who actually has to do some deep work will be you know it's a sort of holotropic work in the sense what i call it, i guess the holotropic effect is you can go back to a different time or place and in somatics they call it closing the loop mm-hmm. there's something you need to look at at that event to, to come to peace and wholeness with it so there's an inbuilt drive in the unconscious that you know, jungian kind of psychoanalysis idea that we want to come back to wholeness with everything in our life. Mm. And so for some people, when they can physically feel you are protecting their body while they're not in it, why they go back through time and space and look at that event and clear it up, express any emotion that they need to that's keeping them like on a quantum level, their biophotonic energy, their consciousness is leaking back through time mm. into that place and keeping that event real. While the subconscious is safe because it's being held. Yeah, yeah. But on a day-to-day level, you're leaking back into that event. You're aware of something that happened when you're 10. Yeah. And so your biophotonic energy, which is light leaking out of your DNA, is going back through time. Yeah. And it's constantly keeping that event real. Yeah. So we have that leaking out of the DNA. Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. You're actually losing life force to a past event that's stealing away your happiness your peace all of the above because it's an open loop you haven't closed the loop it's a wound yep. that hasn't been healed it. effectively so you put dna in a test tube of salt water in the dark so you put you make cells will explode in salt water yeah mm. yeah and so dna in a test tube in salt water in the dark there's actually a burst of light when it pops mm-hmm. now we know that conscious attention can move through time and space they've proved this we also know that nothing's real until it's perceived it's a copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics mm-hmm. If you're not looking at your past, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the only place, place your past exists, and Joe Dispenza, is in your mind. And so once you clear an event through you know, this holotropic effect, that uh, that past event now moves into story and possibility. It just moves into field. You know, mm-hmm. it's not actually there. Mm-hmm. So if you say you don't trust men because of something that happened with your dad, and then you actually deal with that, process the emotion, get the emotion out of your body and let it go, come back to love and forgiveness, that event is no longer there and you're no longer leaking biophotonic energy back into that event. And that observation back through time is what we call retrocausality. So you're creating the event by your observation back through time. Mm. You know, so a really advanced way of looking at that is the the, the Big Bang doesn't exist because there's no one there to see it. But when we think about the Big Bang, our conscious attention is going back through time and making it a real event, mm. you know. So that's that's getting quite advanced in the quantum level, but you can actually apply that to quantum healing mm. is when you really clear your past timeline, your past timeline disappears, and that means all of your biophotonic energy is here, mm-hmm. is in the present. And so in Arnhem Land in Australia, their language, they also don't talk about the future, and that means they're not leaking biophotonic energy into the future as mm. well. So that, that all of the, uh, their creative power is here. And so as, as creative beings, when you bring, when you personal power really is about bringing all of your biophotonic energy. Yeah. So, and so your DNA is available right now to do anything. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's power.
Super cool. Yeah. What are some of the results that you've seen, some of the case studies and and, and clients that have come in mm. from trauma to transformation? Mm. We had one guy, he was about to, he's a single dad, about to abandon his two daughters. He just was really stressed with life. And he also didn't feel, they were around 19, that sort of age, but he didn't feel the connection he wanted to feel with his kids. And he could see other parents connecting with their kids, but he, he just didn't feel that. And he was an orphan. He was he actually was never held by his mother. Mm-hmm. And so that fundamental neural pathway of of bond with parents wasn't there for it. It wasn't there. Yeah. And so there's a thing called um, synaptic pruning where the brain will actually not use these pathways mm-hmm. or they'll, they'll atrophy, they'll disappear. 100%. Yeah. And so he you, went through- You sort of lose it basically. Neurons that fly together, why together, right? So he was separated from his mother at birth. And so there's that massive wound there. And so a lot, you know, people don't remember that. But then their ability to feel bond with others, particularly their own kid, is that that part of the brain is not developed. Yeah, that's the that, used. Easiest, exactly. Goosebumps. Yeah. The easiest yeah. way to explain it. That part of the nervous system was never developed. Yep. You you never learned the quote unquote the language. Yeah. That makes sense. And this has an effect on an oxytocin as well. Yeah. Which is the oh must have. Yeah. And so oxytocin is the the basically the 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 brain's chemical response to being held and to experience love. Now, oxytocin is secreted in very high doses by the mother when she's pregnant, and of course when she's uh, giving birth, et cetera, and afterwards, of course. And it gives us a reward for connecting. Love molecule. You're right. And, so <laughs> it, and this reward tells us connection is good for you. Yeah. Keep getting it. Yeah. So he, in his session, he actually dealt with his mother wound. He mm-hmm. went back and dealt with that. And then he came back into this realization as he's integrating out of the session that he, he can be a father, he can enjoy connection. And can you know love his daughters in the way he wants to feel? And he came out of that. He was the way he described things. He was going to abandon his kids like that week, and he didn't, you know. Mm, and so he, he he's like, I can feel all this connection. So he dealt with that thing in the past. And actually, what's interesting, what's really interesting about the automatic somatic element is he rebuilt his past automatically without guidance, where his mother was present. Mm-hmm. And so he created a new quantum timeline mm-hmm. where he was held. Yeah. And this we know is possible because yeah. we are here and now and we work and operate in all timelines, all all yeah. places at once. Yeah. And so that means that what we're experiencing now may be happening in every other reality, but in different ways. Yeah. So it means in, in effect, what he did was <clears throat> quote unquote rewrite his own uh, path through this lifetime and maybe others as well, but actually going there and, and having that experience. Is that what you mean? Our pastime is an inter- interactive mm-hmm. and we are the master of it. Yeah, no. It's just, no one else can tell you what your, your past is or isn't. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, that's that's actually how it works. Cool. Yeah. So some people as well, like it's it's really common for the parental wounds, things like that. And yeah, so I held someone who was in their 70s who hadn't been held since they were a kid and they'd never really had any touch from their dad. And so this guy's in his 70s and I'm holding him. And for him, it was like his dad was holding him for the first time. It was like yeah. I was his dad and he just never had that connection with him. And so, you know, if you're thinking uh, in Australia 70 years ago as well, things were even more stoic, especially for young boys and men around touch. Yeah, he couldn't hug your kid yeah. or yeah. if you did, you're a bit weird and yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. All of that. I mean, even just having, he said, even having hugs in his culture where he was living in Australia, there was just no touch. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, sense it all the time. I mean, yeah. even when I get to know people somewhat, you know, give them a hug and it's kind of like, I know I can even speak for myself when I was younger as a teenager, it was like, yeah, I'd hug a bro, but it was a bit weird, you know? Yeah. And so it's just that this, if, if the way I look at it, like, is, you know, if you want to scan it yourself, 
if hugging someone feels weird, if holding someone feels uneasy, this could be a very necessary thing to explore. Because now Tristan comes to visit, right? We're hanging out, we're having a chat, we give each other a hug and we just hold each other and just love each other unconditionally like a, as brothers. But I actually see that's a really rare thing in society in general. I mean, we're a bit, <laughs> different. <laughs> bit different, you know, in the way we, you know, because yeah. of the work that we do and because of, we under, because of the, the evolution that we've been on. Mm. But I see still a lot of people even they got a hug, they start breaking down. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's external regulation through whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, the more you don't want to hug, or the more you don't want to meet someone's eyes, the more you need it. That's what I mean. It's, it's a basic graph. And you have that. Yeah. I mean, you see people; they're not even talking to you. They're looking over here. They're looking over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So these are some signs and symptoms, I guess, that we could at yeah. least bring up in terms of you know, for people wondering, you know, is this going to be uh, useful for me? Would that help my family? You might know someone that might. But you'd be needing this kind of work, right? Some people do this course and they're like, yeah, actually, I don't really feel like I want to be a practitioner, but what I've learned is so valuable for how I integrate with my kids oh. and my parents. So some people come out of the course and they go hold their teenagers on the same day. Yeah. Or they go they go connect with their parents as well and, and bring this touch in. And so for the, 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 for the families, this is just super powerful. Some people say that all parents should do the course. Because it just it just brings some of these real basic fundamental common sense issues to light. We are wired for connection. Mm. We're wired for touch. When we don't get it, we're stressed. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who are lonely, living alone, or what are suffering from what's called proximate separation. People living in a family unit, but you're not actually emotionally connecting. Everyone's on devices, that sort of thing. Not emotionally connecting for the human body. If they, the body thinks it's alone. Yeah, it's really, really wild. So, which which is interesting because when you study the you know universal laws, twelve universal laws, the number one law of the twelve universal laws is law of oneness. That we are all one. That we are all connected. Mm. So, of course, then the feeling in the mind and in the being of being separate or being alone would be very detrimental for mental, emotional. Well, that's why they use it in prisons to punish people. You know, yeah, yeah you're putting people in isolation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Now, here's the interesting concept. So, so you're from Scandinavia, right? So in your genetic evolution has programmed you to want to be around other people because in a place that gets really cold in winter, if you're on your own, your chance of surviving is way low mm -hmm. because there's a lot of things that as a community, you need, you know, preserving food together, you know, making homes, all these sort of things, all these things that need to happen to survive winter as a, as a comfortable community, clan, tribe unit. Yeah. And so- if you were outcast in a culture like that, say 2,000 years ago in Scandinavia, it pretty much means death. Yeah, you would freeze yeah. to death. Yeah. So, so you better not, hopefully it doesn't happen during winter. So, so <laughs> many different types of people yeah. have this built in where if they are rejected socially or cast out, uh -huh. that it can mean death. Yeah. And so we are actually, a lot of people are super, really in need of, of connection, mm. you know. And this also means as well that people... Because we are afraid of being rejected, we also suffer socially in really negative ways. Where, if you look at the hazing at the moment, you know where people are doing in schools and in the military in organisations where people are almost um, doing these these rituals of abuse to stay within the group, and where you, you don't want to be rejected because our programming is if I'm rejected, I'll die. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of people are in social and workplace situations that are quite toxic because or home situations. Mm. You know, this sort of thing. So, and I could imagine that, that they're actually not actually being themselves because they need to, they feel like they need to adapt and be perfect so that they will belong. They're not being authentic. They're yeah. not being authentic. Yeah. And as such, then you're going to create a whole bunch of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So let's say you, you know you're out, you're out in the surf, right? And there's a, a bunch of men, and they're all they're all complaining about their wives. Let's say you know. And so to, to join that group, if you want to be a part of the group, you need to be within the same sort of toxic kind of conversation. Whereas if you want to talk about something positive, you know, like say superfoods, then you, the other guys won't want to talk to you or hang out with you. So a lot of people actually they they become unauthentic and talk about something toxic or negative to stay a part of the group. Mm-hmm. And this is super common in our culture where mm. uh, our desire to be a part of the group is, is stronger. Yeah. yeah. So another element with the gym therapy, which is really interesting, is actually using it for group work. So inside group containers and things like that, where you have a group of people in peers who are going into this this sort of state of consciousness together, and this can be facilitated. So with, with music as well, and also running through the same timeline, but running it, it can work and run just like holotropic breath work because we're getting people into that same field of consciousness and people are working on different things, expressing emotion, this kind of thing. And you were mentioning that, like a type of transcendental psychedelic type experience when you are being held or even sometimes when you're holding. Yeah. I mean, I could even just imagine for myself to hold someone mm. for that long. Mm. And, and and you mentioned some of the principles is that the, 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 the facilitator or the practitioner is continuously just focusing on that person. It, tra- it, it trains you to meditate. Trains you to meditate, yeah, because you're continuously focusing on that person, loving that person, complete self selflessness, et cetera. Yeah. It's like for a lot of people when they actually have a child in their life, you know, and they can drop into this state that's available to us, which I call in a parental archetype. So an archetype means a pattern of behavior. Yeah. And we have this built into us. And I, I like this example of, you know, you hang at home and your friend comes by with their two year old and they've got to rush to an emergency, say a hospital, someone's been hurt, and they go, Here's my two-year-old. I've got to go, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like I've never dealt with a two-year-old, and they go, and you've got this, you've got this two-year-old, and you actually drop into a state of consciousness, which is available, mm. of how to take care of this kid, mm. and you know, what do they need? Do they need some food? Do they need to be changed? Do they need to be kept warm, held, whatever? You just yeah. tune in, like, what do they need? And you just move into this parental state of consciousness where you are completely available, present, clear, and loving, and you put what you could be having a really terrible day. And you put all of that aside. And immediately. Boom. Yep. What does this kid need? And that's how we work as, as practitioners holding. What does my baby need? Mm. And so so often you can actually like, here's an example, is you're holding someone and you hold them a little bit tighter and they start crying. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And then you, because, okay, they need, a, they, need a, they need a firmer sort of holding environment and you can let the pressure off and they stop crying. Okay. Add the pressure again. They start crying again. It's not. It's different with everyone, you know. And so you can start to feel what their body needs, how soft, how tight. And so, for example, if someone's someone's crying, just just hold them, you know. And we actually work with kind of um, positive affirmations too. Like, I've got you. It's okay. You're loved. One that's we've been using lately is you're, you're free. I know. It's and it's. I like this other one is we're also happy you're here. Mm. And so a lot of people have had difficulty with their, their parenting in their life and their parents, their family, they don't feel like they're wanted. Yeah, yeah. And so, I'm not good enough. And Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we, these affirmations as well, we try and work in um, that and no no negatives. Yeah. I'm not good enough. So we try and work in these positive, positive. And so speaking into their nervous system like you're speaking to a baby. Mm. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And it's and again, you've got to move out of the expectation as a practitioner. If they're crying, amazing, you know. But if they're not, 
it's also amazing. Mm. They are doing what they need to do. Mm. And it's 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 also incredible for people who do don't feel safe because their nervous system has is through through trauma, traumatic entrainment is like this person wants something from me. I am in danger. This person is going to take advantage of me. Or I could be actually physically this maybe there's a threat to, you know, maybe I'm this person's going to really harm me or kill me. And so what do you do as a practitioner? Don't kill them. Mm. Don't harm them. Mm. Don't take advantage of them. This is very simple. Again, it's how we treat our own baby. You just don't do these things. Mm. And so their nervous system is programmed to think that the danger is about to arrive and it keeps on not arriving. And so that sympathetic response is you're in danger. It keeps firing. And then it gets to a point where something clicks over in their body. It's like the, 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 um, the, the danger hasn't all right, so you break the loop. You break the loop, yeah. and then you feel it when it happens, uh-huh. when you're holding someone, and then they suddenly drop into this different state where the parasympathetic nervous system activates, and this means um, that blood... So uh, the, the, the period before this, when you're like, uh, oh, the you know, when, when of course it's not happens, but you, you, it doesn't happen, but you're feeling like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not safe or whatever. That's a catharsis period, right? Uh, that's I call it orientation. Okay. Whereas, like about fifteen to twenty minutes of In the is, beginning. is this person safe? Mm-hmm. Are they protecting me? Yeah. And and then when the parasympathetic activates, you actually feel the blood fall back into their viscera, mm-hmm. and they they kind of sink in and soften. Mm-hmm. And then that you know that they're dropping into a state of safety, mm-hmm. and then the next phase can no, take the catharsis place. can take place. Yep, nice. There could be catharsis. Mm-hmm. There could be external regulation of emotion, or they could just need to rest. Yep. And if there's catharsis, we usually it can come in waves mm-hmm. of sometimes almost like hyperventilating, mm-hmm. like someone who sounds like they're panicking, crying, mm-hmm. sobbing, this sort of thing. And they have these little rests sometimes. You actually the catharsis goes in these waves, mm-hmm. and as they. Like if you're holding a, say, crying four-year-old who's really crying, they've got to stop and take a breath. Yeah. 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 Similar sort of thing where they go through waves. And what's beautiful about these waves is we can coach them. So some of that crying, they stop, take a breath. You're like, I've got you. You just just whisper, I've got you. Mm. Well, you've got this. You're mm. doing great. Mm. And you feel them go, yeah, cool. All right, sweet. And so a lot of people think that you can't handle it. Mm-hmm. All right, this is overwhelming this person. They're going to like, they're, they're grossed out. They're going to like, mm. get off me. Yeah. So people think this is going on. So we coach them that that's not going on. Mm. Gosh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And so this allows that we're coaching the catharsis to continue. It's like, yeah, you've got yeah. this. It's amazing. And then this, this, this backs off after about 20, 30 minutes tops. And then they come to rest mm. and they come to stillness. And, that, and then they go into this rest state. And then we, as we move out of the end of the session, we actually sing or hum the sort of thing that you would sing to a baby going to sleep. It doesn't matter what it is, just something really simple. And this is bringing them back into their body because when you sing to someone, it's linked to the vagus nerve. So you're actually singing yeah. into their viscera and the viscera. And it's a beautiful experience because they can actually hear the, the kind of the mechanics of singing in your chest because they're right here. So they mm. can hear how it's working too. And a lot of people haven't heard that since being held by mum and dad. So it's beautiful. Yeah. experience there's a lot of oxytocin at this point and people are feeling really really good mm-hmm. and then we let them know that they can will come to sitting back up and holding hands and eye when they're ready so they control mm-hmm. again the session is a natural cycle in the human system where people want to get up and move have a sandwich but do the next thing in their in their day and so people are actually ready to come out of it it's not like oh, i want to stay here all day mm-hmm. And so that cool, right? Let's get up. We've come back to holding hands and eye gazing for a few minutes, 
and the, the change in people's expression, even just the muscle tension and the, the oxytocin and everything that mm-hmm. what's what's coming through mirror neurons at this point as well, and then they can break contact as well when they are ready, mm-hmm. and it's, it's this is so they're really in charge of the session. Mm-hmm. We integrate for about half an hour, have a cup of tea, have a chat, and then people go on their way, and that's that's a tumor therapy. Wow, yeah, brilliant, mm-hmm. really, really cool. It makes scientifically so much sense, and I just think. You know, for me, feeling into it, like, what would that feel like for me to be held would be like, okay, get off me, you know, because there might not be a readiness to receive that much yep. for me, yep. you know, just like to be vulnerable and take it all the way deep. So, and at the same time, what an honor it would be to be able to hold someone yep. and, and, and just be there for that other person with no other distractions. Like you mentioned, the vices and all sorts of things happening. This is exciting. When, when people go through these experiences, and you mentioned they actually go through being held and the somatic intelligence and the body, the innate intelligence knows where to go and how to heal it. Yeah. What are you noticing in the group session mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in within the group dynamics? Because obviously we have group for flow and other things taking yeah. place here as well. Yeah. I mean, for example, if you're working one-on-one, you're in a smaller space mm-hmm. and this is a high level of protection and working in, say, for example, lower light. So sympathetic cue is bright light. So even working in a group, you, you generally don't want the light to be bright. So if you did this on a beach, it's harder for someone to go into that deeper state because their sympathetic nervous system's constantly being cued by light. Yeah, and you're outside, things yep. could happen. Yeah. Yep. So another thing that cues the sympathetic nervous system is is just just sound of other people. So sometimes there's there's less ability to go into those deep states. Mm-hmm. However, people can still totally go into these deep states. It's mm-hmm. like. Sometimes, you know, for some of us who've had a, like a healing breakthrough mm-hmm. and it might have been in a situation that's actually quite wild or noisy, you know, where we've gone into these deep states, especially with breath work, there's a lot happening around us. But, you know, no, I was at age two and I was going through this thing, you know, so it's it's totally possible. But what's also interesting about the connection between the the, the, the person being held and the, the holder is there's this, this DMT field of oneness. And so it feels like they're one body floating. Mm-hmm. Then you put that into a group where you have, say, 40 people who are in this, basically, this field of oneness as well. Mm-hmm. And this comes through the facilitation and the experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is where, this is really where, you know, a lot of my attention goes as a, as a facilitator when I start to see that, that that level of intelligence, that level of quantum technology yeah. applied is bringing out the consciousness within each individual and it also has its own intelligence yeah. as it flows through the group. You know, we know this from the work of Stephen Kotler with, you know, the rise of Superman and flow, transient hyperfrontality. When the prefrontal cortex, the thinking mind slows down and you go from doing to being, blood moves to the other part of the brain and, you know, the surfer is one with the wave, yeah. so on and so forth. And within a group flow, when everyone comes into that coherence, is very quite an interesting thing. Yeah. So to be able to witness and observe and facilitate something that has that level of intelligence, yeah, must be quite an extraordinary experience. Particularly because it's based within the primal needs of of the of the nervous system. It's common sense. The entire system is based off common sense, and that's why it disturbs some people who have got a, a very big education because it's super, super effective and we're dealing with the healing virtue of the body. Yeah, the healing virtue of the body. Um, yeah, yeah, heartbeat. And you could imagine, like, the, the way I'm looking at this as a parent is like, you know, I, I believe that there were aspects of me not being held, quote unquote, enough as a child. Yeah. And so now, because I discovered that many, many years ago, I 
and holding my son so much. Yeah. Not from the place of need. We spoke about this yesterday when the person, the parent, the spouse wants to hold, let's say you want to hold your kid, yeah. but you're not holding the kid for the sake of loving the child. You're holding the kid because you want to feel connection, because you want to feel better. And that's obviously not what you're doing in in attunement therapy. But I found it really interesting to 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 observe that and think in my mind and understanding, you know, how we pass down habits and if you don't think about it, you automatically parent in the same way you were parented. The, exactly right. It's exactly unconscious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened could, could happen is that the parent that wasn't held as a child. 30 years later, as you mentioned with the gentleman, mm. would pass that on to his or her children because you do the same mistake. And it starts even in the hospitals. I mean, what they do in the hospitals, I mean, they're getting a little bit more switched on, but, you know, the the, the kid's born and then they separate the child. They're slowly switching on. Slowly. But in some <laughs> cultures, they're still horrible. Yeah, they're separating. They're separating him, from the kid, the newborn, from the mother. Yep. And every single minute, the, the, the chances of the child dying goes up and up and up. And so then we go through our lives unconscious about this. And then we have children. Hopefully we hold them, yeah. you know, or they the, the, the person will hold them, but certainly not enough. Yeah. And so it's just like, I mean, I don't want to be too esoteric about this, but it even intuitively for me seems like a modality that may be able to change the trajectory of a person's lineage when it comes to the fundamental needs, the primal needs of survival Absolutely. of being held and loved from the start. Yeah. So, you know, we've got people coming and getting sessions and then it's changing their interaction with their kids. It's just amazing. Yeah, right. And uh, so thanks so much for what you're doing as well because there's so many amazing parents like yourself out there who are saying, this stopped with me. I can see I can see where my needs weren't met and I'm just I'm just not going to pass that on. Yeah. And just like, like just that, mm. that cycle stopping right now. Mm. It's so beautiful. Now, what's, what's really interesting about the group work as well is when you get people into this deep, state of field, especially with the DNT, the connection, the oneness, is everyone's in a highly, you know, I guess what we- And by the way, let me just jump in. Where Tristan is talking about DMT, he's talking about the uh, endogenous way, the experience that the, 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 the intelligence of the body creates a DMT type experience, obviously not the actual uh, compound itself. Yeah, it's where you're feeling like um, you're one, with everything around you, but it's also there's sometimes it's associated with a sense of floating, mm-hmm. which is um and it's it's familiar and it's a lot of people associate it with being in the womb where you're floating and you feel like you're one with your mother. You feel like you're the and again when you're being held when you're breastfed, it's neurologically the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm being taken care of by someone who also feels like they're me. And so then in a group situation, you're getting a, a, a whole group that are in this field of non-duality of oneness. Beautiful. And that the concept here is the idea that is mediated. It's very hard to quantify this or prove it inside the human body, but that it's being mediated by a release of DMT, which is you know creating oneness. Certainly that, the, the, yeah. the subjective experience of the participant is certainly that, oh yeah, yeah, the DMT. Okay, cool. So well, what are one you, words? Real yeah. quick thing is that um, with, the group, with the group experience, when everyone's in that field, um, Everyone's also in a highly suggestible state at this point. Mm. And so, you know, if we look at kind of post-hypnotic suggestion, that means for facilitators who are working with a group in this field, you can actually help them rewrite um, a lot of the uh, difficulties around touch or disconnection by working with positive affirmations mm-hmm. during this time as the, towards the end of the group session mm. around, around say, like you're, you're all so welcome on this earth. You're all so loved. You're all so needed. You're all so supported. Mm. You're all incredible people working with real positive affirmations like that because you are speaking directly into 
and programming the subconscious. Yeah. And so this this the group work on this sense as well, working with a meditation like that, where you're actually putting really positive information and in, affirmations into the nervous system mm. for creating health and wellness down the track. Mm. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. And as you said, you know, it's really, really simple and at the same time profound and powerful. And I think that's the basics of why it works, you know, because it's founded around fundamental universal laws, human behavior, development, neuroscience. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you imbued it with, within quantum physics or within the, the aspects of consciousness, because mm. that is obviously who, who and what we are and what we do. Mm. Okay. So this is exciting. I could go on and on talk about, this, <laughs> talk about this forever. All day. So powerful. Yeah. yeah. So just tell uh, the listeners and the viewers, where can they go to learn more about attunement therapy or yourself? Where yeah. can they contact you, get in touch? Yeah. So just go to attunementtherapy.com or attunement therapy on Facebook. There's a whole bunch of videos there too. We're launching more videos like this at the moment. We are running trainings in Byron Bay and Perth coming up soon. We're also running trainings in Europe this summer and from the end of June to the start of August as well. Again, if you're also open to this and you're somewhere around the planet and you want to sponsor a training, that means just get in touch and you can get in touch with me with an opportunity to heal at gmail.com. An opportunity to heal at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go to attunementtherapy.com or the Facebook page and you can get in touch through there. But I'm Get in touch from stop that. Get in touch. <laughs> but yeah, but if you're interested in sponsoring or training too as well, because training a team could be really interesting if you run a rehab center or you're a palliative care center oh, or yeah. a, like a, a trauma drop-in center, say like a women's center for you know, a, you know domestic violence, this sort of thing, where you have your team is trained to apply touch to really help people out. You know, so if you apply this to rehab, it's fantastic. Mm. There's disability care, all kinds of different things where you could apply these principles. And again, if you're all different types of therapy when you learn the skill set and you see how the skill set works your body intelligence changes where you can apply touch within your modality mm -hmm. in the right times to really augment and support a healing process and your life yep yep and here's the thing is that people have like a one one of their family is dying but then you've all grown up not touching mm. and your you know your your aunt or your mother or your father's dying and you all have basically um, this skill isn't there and you're like, oh, something needs to happen here. And mm. so I've, I've been able to come in and hold people in really um, strong times of bereavement mm. and loss or holding people who are dying of terminal disease and things like this. And it's so powerful as a skill set and turning it back into common sense. The, I the idea with the tumor therapy is that it shouldn't exist. It exists because we actually have touch, I call it touch retardation. Yeah, where we are, there is, we there have is. so many, so many barriers around touch yeah. because of liability, guilt, and shame and fear that we are not touching each other enough. We're not holding each other enough. We're not in contact enough. So, if we actually bring touch back into a common sense way of being, in a within, sacred way within community, within culture, then attunement therapy won't exist. I love it. Well, yeah. it's created. It's it's designed because it has a need in the in, yeah. in the yeah. in the world. It's a, it's a symptom of where we're at. Hey, but imagine some cultures. There's hardly any touch at all. Yeah. Holy smokes, what that means. Yeah. But then you have some cultures which this is that's not even a thing. So, say in Bali, for example, um, or say North Vietnam's a really amazing one, where kids are held on the body, especially in um, hill tribe cultures, they're held on the body of someone for the first couple of years. They're only put down when they really want to get down, and so they develop a really strong amazing beautiful sense of self because when you when kids don't get enough touch they think there's something wrong with them that's how it neurologically works 
Whereas our culture, it's like, I'm not going to pick up my kid too much because I, I want them to be tough. And it's actually, yeah. that's actually the opposite of how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time again. A, opportunity to heal at gmail.com. And. <laughs> and, and opportunity. And to opportunity to heal. Yeah. And you mentioned at humantherapy.com. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Any, any final words to the brothers and sisters out there watching, listening? Just next time you're having a conversation with, with a friend and if it's they're talking about something's difficult for them, ask if you can hold their hand. Could be a cafe. Could be whatever kind of situation. Someone's talking about something that's difficult or hard for them. Put your hand out as an offering. Don't grab their hand. Put it out. So do you want to hold my hand? And see what happens. See what happens. See what happens to what emotion can flow and their their comfort with themselves, their comfort with you. And it's just it's just these little things like that which can really change people's lives. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for your time, bro. Mm-hmm. Always a privilege and a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. God bless everybody. See you soon. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-N.com or email info at drespen.com. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.